You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who controls your strings? Are you a free being or are we merely puppets on strings? I don't know. Uh, I have some ideas. I have some thoughts. Hello, friends. Welcome to Systematic Ecology. We are so glad you're able to join us on this What's New episode um, of Systematic Ecology. And today we're going to focus on uh, not a bunch of new things, but just one thing that hit Netflix um, over the last week. And it is Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And I'm excited to discuss this. I watched it through the lens of knowing that I'm going to talk about it on this episode of Systematic Ecology. So, of course, all the philosophy and theology and character developments and all the big questions, I'm looking at it through those lens. And boy, did it have a lot. And I'm really excited that I get to um, have this discussion with uh, one of my favorite human beings who I don't think is a puppet. I don't see any strings over his shoulders. He looks like a free being uh, on his own. Um, I don't see Joshua or anybody whispering his ear, telling him what to do or not. He's, he's his own person. And it's, uh, it's TJ. TJ, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you for the introduction. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. Uh, so, so again, um, you know, we, we're getting into this kind of new swing of things of of doing some deep cuts and doing what's new. And, and we there's a lot of things over the last few weeks that kind of hit the streaming and 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 movies and trailers dropping. There's probably a lot of things we can talk about. We're going to just hone in and focus on one particular thing, a classic story. Everyone thinks they know the story of Pinocchio because of Walt Disney. And uh, it is in the zeitgeist of fairy tales and and legends. But here's a uh, kind of remastered uh, re-envisioning of this classic story from, um, I think it goes way back to, uh, I think, the history. TJ, you know, maybe a little bit of the history. Back to the 1800s, an Italian um Author wrote this story of Pinocchio, and uh, Walt Disney uh, put it in animation style and did his own take on it. And that's kind of the one that's been on the forefront of everyone's thoughts. But here, um, Guillermo del Toro, who has his own kind of uh, his own background, Catholic background, uh, we know him from like Hellboy and Pan's Labyrinth and The Shape of Water. Now this is his take on on pinocchio and so your initial thoughts any other what's your history with pinocchio and and this particular rendition um tj uh, so uh, you know i watched pinocchio as a kid obviously and then i got really into uh you know like the old stories that disney movies were based on at the time yeah. when they were just you know fairy tales in mm-hmm. movies uh the original pinocchio the adventures of pinocchio was written in 1883 mm-hmm. uh, by carlo collodi probably coyote i'm not sure how to speak italian i don't don't know that much about italian i'm not great with english much less uh foreign languages so i'm with you but it's uh really good uh the book and the disney movie have differences obviously and this version of pinocchio is by far my favorite also extremely different from the book okay so did you read the book you read the book i read the book a long time ago oh wow and kind of just like you know it's a good book, but the Pinocchio movie's fine. Yeah, so I did not read the book, and I, I knew it was a book before Walt Disney did it, and then I knew that this was coming out, and um, Toro's kind of vision and in the way he does and storytells and and the special effects and 
leans into characters and monsters and all those things. I was really looking forward to seeing kind of his vision for this, but, but now I'm kind of peaked. I'm interested in what the book could be. So maybe I'll go back to that and see. Oh yeah. See it's free. What that's all about. It's you can free. just look it up and read it because it's 140 years old. Oh yeah. So it's, um, what do you call that? It's just in the public uh, domain. Public domain. Yeah. Maybe one day, 140 years from now, systematic ecology should be on the public domain. They can take what we've done, do whatever they yeah. want with it. Yeah. Who knows? We'll see. Who knows? I might stick around till then. <laughs> well, okay. First impressions. When this first came up on the screen and I saw, this is like stop animation. It's, not, it's CGI, but it's also stop animation. Like remember all those classic Christmas, you know, Rudolph and, and Santa and all those things. Here we have like a stop animation uh, a whole two-hour movie. And I, as I'm watching this, I'm just amazed at the work that was done to make this happen in the flow the way it did. So it was hard for me. Like every few minutes, I'm like, good night. Like they are th- – a lot of work went into this was yeah. kind of my thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. So they filmed this movie, which is stop-motion animation, it, over a 1,000 days. They were filming for a 1,000 days on this movie. <laughs> I believe it. Uh, because stop motion animation is hard and they had different sized models and, you know, they had to render the effects, all that stuff and models break, whatever, what have you, but a, a thousand days of work and it is amazing. They used actual wood. Uh, I'm pretty sure they used wood for Pinocchio and, and clay for most of the other characters, but it is gorgeous. And there's actually, there's like a, a 30 minute documentary on the behind the scenes of the movie on Netflix too. Oh, which okay. Definitely check it out. It, There's it, my it, recommendation, even though I haven't seen it yet. I will, thank you for recommending it to me and I'm definitely going to do uh going to do that one because that's um yeah. It, it's yeah. A, it's it's quite the feat of human creativity and and art. Um regardless of what you think of the story or whether you connect with it or not, which I don't see why you wouldn't because all, all the big questions that, that humans have asked over the course of, of our history of being human and conscious are there in, in this movie, in this story, but just the artistic expression of the models themselves and how they tell the story is, is pretty unbelievable. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's getting a lot of high praise as well. It, as well, it should be. Um, and then they have some, some, uh, some voices we recognize in Insane this cast. As, insane cast uh one being you have um the talking cricket it's not jiminy that's disney all right but but the talking cricket um comes from the book from 1883 and the talking cricket was like wait i know that voice uh it's ewan mcgregor it's Mm obi-wan himself he's there as uh the conscience as the cricket the novelist who's going to write a story and who's telling the narrator who's the narrator through this thing uh this story of of telling this story as it unfolds, um, but also the conscious and entrusted with some responsibility with with Pinocchio, and and pretty amazing. It's a great job. Uh, who are yeah. who are some of the others um, that uh, you recognize, TJ? So uh, they use Tom Kenny's voice uh, for Benito Mussolini. Which, if you haven't mm-hmm. seen the movie yet, by the way, uh, M- Mussolini's in it <laughs> of fascist fame. Uh, mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz is Count Volpe. Uh, mm-hmm. Ron Perlman is the Podesta officer. Uh, Finn mm-hmm. Wolfhard from Stranger Things is his son, Candlewick. Uh, Tilda Swinton plays the wood sprite that brings Pinocchio to life. It's insane. Kate Blanchett is the baboon. 
Really? Kate, yeah, okay. Kate Blanchett is the baboon. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, it is insane, and that's not that's pretty that. much everybody. I think there are a couple more that I don't quite remember. Yeah, but and and I just you know I'm not going to bury the lead here. Like, yeah, it, it is fantastic. I love it. I, I recommend it to you. It's not necessarily like a little kids. Um, um, uh, rendition or story of Pinocchio, but then if you could go back and make the case that maybe the Pinocchio that Walt Disney did isn't necessarily a little kids either. It'd be a little bit mature. There's some stuff there um, that can creep you out or, or scare you. But, but yeah, he mixes it. It's definitely, you know, for, for, um, you know, eight, nine, 10 year olds and older uh, is, is, I, I think is acceptable, uh, you know, like watch what you want to watch. But in terms of like the story, the intensity, the stories, the vision, uh, some of the in- intensity of it um, really is, is, you know, adolescence and older um, and and just an amazing job of storytelling. This is by far my favorite version of Pinocchio. Uh, I'll watch anything Guillermo del Toro does, but I was pleasantly surprised. This is even better than I expected it to be. I assumed it was going to be great because he was doing it and it was so, so good. Yeah, I I agree. I, I like everything he does as well. His vision and what he does, his take is is fantastic and, and he couldn't have done this any better. Um so so yeah, so the story of Pinocchio, um, a puppet who uh envisions and wants to be a real boy. And so the all the themes of what makes someone authentically human, um who controls us or not? How do we grow a story of becoming and transformation? That's all there in the original story. But then you have Toro's uh, take here where he really sets up in the first like five minutes, um, this, this woodworker and uh, his 10 year old boy and how much they love each other. And so you really care for them over the, the first 10, five, 10 minutes of this movie. They really bring you in to their genuine, authentic relationship and the love they have uh, for one another. They're sitting around a table for dinner and you already see that they're saying their prayers before the meal and cross themselves like a good Catholic would. I, as a Lutheran, um, I even cross myself, part of my piety and worship as well, to cross myself, remember my baptism, remember that I'm a child of God, part of my piety as, as well. And, and so you see this kind of acknowledgement of a higher power within their own lives and how they make meaning in the world. And, and, you know, you, you know, it, it's, it's hard to watch cause you know, what's coming, you know, there's going to be, uh, this, this little boy is going to die. I didn't know how he's going to die, but immediately they go from dinner and, and part of, um, uh, th- this father's task as a woodworker is also to build the crucifix in their, uh, town church. So it's, it's not just a cross, it's Jesus on the cross. And so he's sculpting this, doing it in the middle of, of a war. Do they, uh, yeah, World War II, right? So like Mussolini, mm-hmm. so it's, it's the time of World War II and, and a bomb is on its way, um, and, and hits the church and, um, and kills the son. And immediately you're drawn into this question of why, why do bad things happen to good people? Uh, the, the, the weight and gravity of suffering that's there you see on the crucifix itself is expressed in this father who lost his only son as well. Um, and so I, I just thought that whole setup in the first part of the movie really, um, pulled on the heartstrings. There you go. See what I did there, but also, um, you know, made you care for, even though this story you think, you know, um, drew you in even deeper. Yeah. It's such an effective, you know, I don't want to call it itself act one, but it, it really sets you up to 
feel for Geppetto. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, you know, this is a horrible tragedy. Don't blame it all if he goes insane. Yep. You know, I would have. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, the his son, Carlos, right? Um, Carlo. Which, uh, Carlo, which yeah, you named know, for the is original author. Named by for, from the original author. Nice, nice head nod there. You know, he, he is a curious uh, boy who, who is infatuated by the magic of everyday life. You know, do you get that? You know, he wants his dad to tell him the fairy tale of, of your nose growing uh, when you lie, but also pick up pine cones and explaining seeds and, and a, a seed that grows and dies and then becomes new life. Like they're having these kind of conversations about the magic of and, and the um, kind of wonder of the world that, in which we live in. Uh, but even though, um, you know, the, Geppetto, of course, right after his son has died, goes into this hard grief of, of drinking and crying at the grave and shaking his fist at the sky and shaking the fist at the higher power of why won't you answer my prayers? Um, it is raining and you see the pine cone, you see the tree that is, has grown. And, and um, you, after he goes to bed in this kind of drunken stupor, and hard grief, um, then you start to see a, a new kind of magic, not just the magic of trees growing in the world around you, but also these like little eyeballs <laughs> uh, that start emerging, the old spirits. This talk of uh, the talking cricket talks about the old spirits hearing this man's prayer and what what comes next. And there was somebody who was listening. Um, and, and TJ, who was listening? Who comes who comes to answer the prayer? What what do you, what happens next? Well, uh, it's not God, right? But it is a collection of wood sprites, or just one wood sprite, I guess. They kind of coalesce into one, and she's like, "Well, little boy, you died too soon. I'm gonna put your soul in this wooden body, and yeah, you're gonna go live a full life." Right. And then the depiction of this puppet that, that he carved, I mean, he's already with a long nose. And even like just the depiction of what um, Pinocchio looks like, it's, it's not just, you know, the, the rosy cheeks and the red pants and the hat. It's, it's, uh, it it's literally looks like a tree. Um, mm-hmm. If you did see this thing walking around on its own without any strings, you would yell out, wow, demon, uh, uh, sorcery, witchery, witchcraft, what is going on, which happens a little bit later in the church. Um, but yeah, this this guardian that comes and hears this um, father's plea, Gebetto's plea, you know, says, uh, cares for the forgotten things. Um and and if you ever see like a biblical uh, those memes of what a biblical um, depiction of what an angel really looks like of like a lot of wings with a lot of eyeballs and um, you know yeah of course uh, Mary is scared uh, of course anybody who encounters right. an angel in the Bible are like super scared do not be afraid what are you talking about you look super freaky if you look at like the the literal um, depiction of what an angel would look like and so I do think there's it's not God but this guardian has eyes on their wings and there's this kind of biblical a depiction of what an angel or messenger would, would actually look like. Um, and so that as, as this guardian hears the prayer, um, gives also the talking cricket, um, a calling, 
to take care, to watch over, to help guide um, this puppet that has a soul of a boy out in the world. And it's almost like this new birth, but there's a sense of creative uh, curiosity and an almost annoying quality. I don't know how you felt, but like asking questions all the time and over anxious and trying to learn what this world is about, this big learning curve of trying to be a being in this world, immediately just thrown into it. Um, that kind of learning curve was very frustrating. You almost put yourself in Geppetto's uh, shoes of like, oh my gosh, calm down. Oh my gosh, will you please um, not be such a burden and, um, and, and calm down? So I don't know what your feelings were that at, at the beginning of Pinocchio's life, TJ. Yeah. So it was, I don't, you know, I like kids well enough. Uh, <laughs> fairly confident that uh, at this moment in time, I would not want to raise one. Cause I don't want that kid messing up my stuff, but <laughs> it's hard not to feel bad for him. Cause you know, the, the soul of his son is now in the puppet that he half made last night like, was not finished. Mm-hmm. And he's just running around his house, destroying things, asking questions. And <laughs> you know, you, I would have snapped probably. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm a father of two. And I remember when they were two and three years old and, and there'd been plenty of of snapping moments of, Oh my gosh, what is, what is going on? I'm, I love kids so much and, um, you know, worked as a youth pastor and kid children's ministry and love the kids in my, my church. And I, I love asking questions and see what they're going to say next. I love them to ask me questions. I love every minute of it, but then there is that moment where you're kind of like, Oh my gosh, you have so much energy and so much stuff. And, and I, I don't know if I can handle it all. Um, so, so yeah, there, there's that sense of frustration of, you feel that. Um, and then going out into the world, trying to learn what it's about. He's entrusted with with this uh, boy. The, the prayer was answered, but not necessarily the way that he wanted it to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then they have to deal with, you know, the small Italian town in the 1930s seeing a walking, talking, wooden thing. I'm surprised they didn't kill him. Oh, they tried. <laughs> right. They tried. They, they tried. Well, and, and this is kind of the second act, right? Like you move into that, uh, the learning curve, what's a, a fish out of water? What's next? Um, are they going to, ha- where's this growth going to be? Um, is he going to be rejected? He's almost like this Frankenstein like creature where, where the, the townspeople don't want anything to do with it. But the irony is that he even looks up. Why do at one point, Pinocchio looks at this wooden man up on a cross and going, why do they love him? And, but not me. Um, so, so again, that othering, it lifts up these themes of othering people that you aren't, um, familiar with or make you feel uncomfortable. And so, yeah, good question. Why do you love and gather in a church saying prayers to and singing songs to, um, uh, a man on a, a wooden man on a cross, but rather you have this real live wooden puppet all around. Why, why is that different? Well, maybe the wooden cross doesn't, the man on the wooden cross doesn't talk back to you or, or jump all over the place and, or question or ask you questions, um, uh, in different ways that, that man on the cross does, uh, but not particularly literally. And so, so yeah, it, you're made to feel uncomfortable about this puppet runner all over the place. And then you see like this, this priest who's kind of the, the religious leader in the town who's in cahoots, uh, with, with the facets, fascists, um, and, and that makes me extremely uncomfortable as we hear the, in terms of political 
debate and turmoil in our own country and and talk of nas- uh, Christian nationalism and and bedfellows of politics and religion together, what that could look like. You're reminded of what it was to look like uh, in the Second World War and, and some of the uh, travesties that were happening uh, there as well. So there was a, a great reminder of of those um, coming together in, in not so beautiful ways, but I thought depicted in, in a good way, in a sense of uh, holding up a mirror to us in our present time. Yeah. And I, I really, I enjoyed the addition of, you know, like this is 1930s Italy. It's ruled by the fascist national party. Mm-hmm. And it adds a whole third conflict into the movie and it works great. Uh, they have to conscript him because Pinocchio dies and he just comes back because, uh, you know, he his soul broke the chain of death already. Now he has to play by a whole different set of rules, which is, you know, Guillermo del Toro is kind of a genius. I love <laughs> it. And he dies. He has to wait a little while and he comes back and the Podesta is like, all right, he has to be in the army. He's a super soldier. I'm taking him with me. Yeah. But... Yeah, that was an interesting stake. Not only do you have like death and and rebirth or or this animated object, what animates you as as a human being, <laughs> what animates you as a conscious being, uh, but also this kind of like this cycle of death and being brought back or being reincarnated or just brought back that death has this kind of sense of, they even say it like uh, at one point, maybe you know, what makes life, and you see these other spots too, what makes life so precious is your finitude. Uh, don't take it for granted because you do get one life. Um, now, of course, if people of faith, there's something greater than than this world that we're a part of, that we look to new life and resurrection and our hope is placed in, in a man on the cross that's not, all, that's not on the cross anymore, uh, but there's an empty tomb that gives us um, a vision of the world to come. In the way God intended it, um, but yet this this is playing around with if if you could just die and then come right back. Um, all right, w- where do you draw meaning from? Um, what do you do with your finitude or not? Is is a pretty big question. Yeah, and it's also as he's being you know described his new process of death. Uh, he has to wait longer every time he dies to go back, and of course he's a child. He's brand new to this. He's like, oh, that's fine. That won't ever be a problem. I get to live forever. <laughs> I'm a mortal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which was not correct. All right, not even, as, Im- even immortality has has its challenges. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, so that's that's one one angle of the conflict and and things going on. But then you have um, this um, circus leader um, who also sees this puppet as a means of manipulation to monetize uh, for his own wealth and and to be manipulated and, and exploited. Uh, so that's a whole nother side comment that or side story, another plot device uh, and act that, that, that makes you go, oh, wow, like, okay, uh, not only do we have this idea of politics, church, religion, uh, grief, what do we do with life and death? But then you also have this kind of economic thing or, or circus. Um, uh, or do we just set people up as um, exploit them for our own entertainment of whatever it may be, whether it's an elephant or whether it's a puppet or whether it's other people who don't quite look like the way we do? Um, it, it really holds up the mirror on that um, aspect of exploitation and, and entertainment as well. Yeah, I, I love the whole circus angle in this movie. Because uh, they kind of, they combined like the fox and the cat, uh, Gideon and I don't remember. Right, I don't remember the fox's name. And the uh, the evil puppet master from you know Pinocchio into one person, Count Volpe, 
and yep. he is absolutely detestable. He is just the worst. No Very redeeming qualities. Character. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and he has a, a pretty interesting design. Uh, you know, Guillermo del Toro has great character designs, great monster designs. Uh, he looks like a human version of a fox. He has a very long nose, which this being Pinocchio means yeah. he's mm-hmm. a liar. And he coerces Pinocchio into signing this contract. And <laughs> when Geppetto finds out that he coerced and kidnapped his puppet son, he's like, well, I have to take him back. He's like, well, he signed my contract, so uh, you can have him, but you're going to have to pay me 10 million lira. <laughs> right. Which is uh, an absolutely absurd amount of money, especially right. at that time. And then the Podesta's there too, and they're like, well, no, we're taking it with me. And at that point, I thought it was amazing that they let Geppetto leave the doctor, because of course they took him to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were checking for his pulse. Hilarious. <laughs> but they just let him leave with him the first time. Right. And then Pinocchio runs away to get the 10 million lira from Count Volpe, splitting their profits at the circus, which he doesn't do because this guy sucks, mm-hmm. to send back to Geppetto which he doesn't do because this guy sucks. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny because he doesn't understand contracts. And like, if you go with him, Geppetto doesn't owe him that money. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's, you know, that part of the contract is void now because you're honoring the contract, but. Yeah, it's almost, so, so yeah, like he, he doesn't go to school. He's lured away from school and learning and trying to have a normal life into the circus, but he learns along the way. So you do see this character development and this transformation of becoming and understanding what relationships are and not being a spoiled brat, but also like, what is, what is authentic love? Who cares for me? Who's not? And he learns along the way. Yeah. His nose is already long when he created, but when he tells lie, it literally grows into a tree with branches and acorns and leaves. And, and so there are those moments of lying uh, that are moving um, and, and and special and, and a part of the plot as well. So it's again like what builds the question, what builds authentic, real relationships, and, and it's honesty, it's trust, it's sure, it's love, um, it's friendship, it's it's shared experiences with one another. But but what animates you as a person, as a human being, um, you know, is is trust and you, and you can't trust um, you can't be friends or close to someone if you can't trust them if, if what they're saying is is a lie um, and so that is built into uh, the story along the way at poignant moments that I think is, is pretty special yeah and Pinocchio shows that uh, to him like everything is forgivable uh, he befriends Spazzatura the Kate Blanchett monkey and Candlewick the <laughs> Podesta's son mm-hmm like it's nothing, you know, like they both hated him. And eventually he's just, he's too positive and he cares too much to let them not be friends. Yeah. And it's really impactful when uh, bad things happen to those characters. Yeah. And and you get, um, you know, at one point you even, you know, begin in the movie, you have, you see a crucifix of a, of a wooden Christ uh, nailed to a cross. And a little bit later on um, here you have, uh, this this circus leader manipulation bad dude who's gonna uh, who literally puts Pinocchio up on a T on a on a wooden um, it's not necessarily the cross but it's it's cross it's it's a T it's strapped and getting ready to be burned at the stake but the mirror image of Pinocchio up on a cross 
to to the Christ earlier and and seeing what that sacrifice would would mean to others and the impact it would have to others in the story um, is is yeah is is an imagery that's real um, and and in your face they don't beat around the bush that he knew exactly he knew exactly what he was doing when he did, when he put that image on on the screen mm-hmm. yeah it's just a, an amazing filmmaker amazing I've. I was so glad when they uncanceled this movie and Netflix bought the rights. Right. Yeah. He announced it in 2017 and that same year they're like, Oh yeah, it got canceled. Oh well, but it's back and it's amazing. It's so good. Yep. Um, you get more kind of the, the, the hero's journey or, you know, in terms of the pilgrim's progress or, or even kind of the Hobbit there and back again, um, Lord of the Rings traveling together with friends and learning and counting monsters along the way and having that shape your relationship with one another. Uh, all, all those kind of uh, um, images are there and, and you even get a big fish, a big whale that swallows them uh, and they discover Geppetto um, and have to escape uh, again. So again, a biblical story. Of, of of Jonah and the whale there in the midst of it. And I don't know if that's part of the original book as well. Is that part of the book, uh, TJ? Uh, I think it was. Yeah, I'm going to reread it. it wasn't yeah, read we didn't it. do our research with that. I don't know if it's part of the book, but but it's definitely part of that. The that was in the Disney movie, um, right? Yeah. Um, and and it shows up here. And and man, this this big fish whale whatever is is. It's scary. It's it's a monster. It's not oh, just yeah. your friendly neighborhood whale. Um, spurting water out its uh blowhole it, it, it is a scary sea monster um that you don't want to be a part of but yet that again if you're uh death and and resurrection uh being buried raised to new life jesus even uses jonah and the whale as as an image for his own resurrection as jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days and emerged to new life so i will be um here again, you have this this death, this swallowing, uh, buried in the belly of of a monster, and emerging out to a new life together, which is, I, I think, um, pretty special and and magical way to to share the story. Yeah, yeah, and it is. It really is terrifying. It's just a massive dogfish, and it's like skins are made out of rocks and stuff. Yeah, like yeah. it is a ship swallowing sized fish. <laughs> They swallowed the entire boat that Geppetto is on. And once he's in there, you see that he's also swallowed a lighthouse. Yeah. Which yeah. they later used to escape by turning Pinocchio's nose into a tree, like a full-sized pine tree. Oh, that was so powerful because he starts lying. The line he's saying is is like, I don't love you. I don't want to be a part of your family. I don't. The lie is a reverse uh, sign of love. And it's just so powerful that his line of, uh, yeah, I, I hate you. I, I don't love you. I don't want to be a part of this. And his, his nose keeps growing, growing into a tree that emerges. Um, so powerful. That kind of reverse, reverse lie uh, to escape. Um, but also an expression of love. Um, and, and again, you know, uh, trees are a big part of the Bible, uh, the tree of life. Uh, then you have the tree of the cross. Then you have a new tree there at Revelation with the fruits of healing for, uh, for the nations of the world. Tree, trees are pretty biblical. Um, and, and here you have this, this um, puppet carved out of a tree from the pine cone that was planted by this dead son, but then also the nose of these reverse lie talking, expressing love growing out. I mean, it's all there. It's so powerful and so good and so layered. Yeah. The, the climax, I get it. I would consider everything from like the, the bombing of the 
Elise Camp to, you know, uh, Geppetto and Pinocchio washing up on the beach as the climax. It's just a really long climax. Right. Yep. It's yep. amazing. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, I've said that a lot, but I'm probably going to yep. say it a couple more times. Yeah, you're you're entitled. You're you you have permission. Um and and there at the beginning, uh, you know, um the talking cricket, um, who's been narrating and, and provides some little comic relief following along the way. Um, there's not much comic relief, but he provides a little bit of it. But they um he was greeting at the beginning of the movie One Wish. And so it's like, oh, I know what's gonna happen with that one wish. Uh this 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 Pinocchio is going to be turned into a, a real boy. Um, and But that's not the twist. That's not that's not what happens. Again, spoiler, if you're listening to this and you haven't seen this, you know, sorry, um, you've gotten this far. Um, but but TJ, in terms of this cricket's one wish, the sacrifice, again, this um, idea of sacrifice, um, what does the cricket do with this one wish with the guardian angel-like thing that came being? Man, what a question. I forgot. <laughs> I, I remember... He's dead. Like I remember, he dies uh-huh. later. I remember Pinocchio dies and becomes mortal to go back and save Geppetto. Yeah, but I can't remember what the talking cricket actually wished for. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was um, that he gave away his wish that that not necessarily changed him into a real boy with like skin and bone and blood and organs as they were before, before this event ever happened, just get, get rid of Pinocchio and bring Carlo back. Um, that wasn't the wish, but this, this Pinocchio become uh, Geppetto's um, son and they've grown to love each other. He's no longer uh, seen as a burden or a nuisance or, or this monster there to annoy him. Uh, but he's kind of brought back to life and they're brought together as a family. So, so the cricket uh, wishes that, that, yeah, that they can be a family, that they, they can have their life together. And you would think that they would like wish, Oh, he can have his son back now and they can, you know, but, but no, only to die and go through that again. But there is a sense of mortality um, that is, is brought upon, but, but not to a real boy, but just to be, a family together as they are and what they've grown and lived through that those experiences, those mistakes shape them along the way. Um, and it doesn't nullify all those things, but really it's what brought them together. It's what, um, bonded them together. The, the part of their authentic relationship where they trust one another is what they've been through. And, and the cricket is a part of that and, and uses that wish to, to, to further along yeah. that, that bond and, and relationship. So I loved it. It wasn't just like, Oh, you just expect him to be a real, real boy at the end and they live happily ever after. Um, but no, um, there's still <laughs> a world war looming. Uh, there's still uh, things they're going to have, a lot of things they're going to have to explain about this, this wooden puppet that is this now this dude's son, but, um, but yet they're together and they acknowledge their love for one another, which is um, fantastic ending uh, to, yeah. to quite an adventure. Yeah. And then it, at that point, I feel like the narration style did switch. I feel like I didn't just miss it the first time, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure he, the narration switches from first to third person. Right. I'd have to watch it again to make sure it might've been in third person the whole time, but you see Pinocchio bury the cricket or, you know, put him in a matchbox in his heart. And you're like, Oh, he's still talking. How's he still talking? And it's really cool. When Pinocchio dies the first time he meets like the keepers of the crypt, I guess just some dead rabbits who (laughs) the castle of the dead. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jiminy's just playing poker with him. 
Yeah, the whole they're time. Having, yeah. They're they're playing they're playing poker. Yeah, the cricket eventually does. He's not immortal, um, but I, I think that also the narration is that he he is shifts to his novel and his book and the story that he's written. So you're almost like reading the story that he's already written um, for 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 the um, um, for this relationship. Uh, so so yeah you yeah you're sad. The talking cricket has died and moved on. Obi Wan, no, you and no, um, but then. Um, but then you see him in this kind of afterlife holding pattern world where he's talking with the keepers of the crypt, which these uh, rabbits that like to play card games. That's yeah. fun. Yeah. yeah, I was just, I really like that, that small detail. It's like, yeah, he's dead, but he's not, not that dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, all right. Um, let's, let's, we've, we've gone through all, uh, surely not all of it. Go back and watch it yourself. And I'm going to go back and watch it again, just for the details of the actual storytelling and the, the, the craft and artistry that that's been created for us in this. Um, uh, but TJ, as we wrap this thing up, um, what is your, what is your rankings? What are you going to rank this thing at a one to 10? 9.9. Yeah. Nine. Like that. I don't think there is a perfect movie, but this one is is really close. That, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I'll gi- I'll give it a strong nine. Like I, um, it, it is it is such a magical feat and and great storytelling and and hopefully it'll become a, a legend in and of itself and turn this telling this story. And I plan to go back and watch it. And now you've given me the recommendation to go watch. Um, is that is that connected to the? after the movie itself, like post credits, or is it a whole different like thing to look up? Yeah. It's got its own listing, but okay. you, if you watch the credits, which you should watch the credits, by the way. Oh yeah. Uh, part of it. Yeah, Cause I actually, I closed it. I closed the movie after it ended. And as I was closing it out, I heard Owen McGregor's voice and I was like, Oh wait, hold on. Okay. I have to go back, but <laughs> it'll show up on like the Netflix suggested thing. Yeah. I'll say, Oh, check this out behind the scenes. I really do like the behind the scenes and like to see how uh, the sausage is made and 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 what all goes into that work. You know the the specials of how these movies or stories or animated things that we love so much, um, all the work that goes into it. I, I really think that's an important part of the um, storytelling expression. Of let me show you how this came to be. And and there's been other podcasts I've listened to with shows that I've liked where you talk to the directors and the actors and they talk about what goes into and the process of, of how that unfolds. It's not something that just appears. There's a lot of work. And as you said, you know, a thousand days of, of creating this and a, and a lot of people, I don't know what his budget was, but, but yeah, I'm hoping that um, it trends high on, on all the streaming um, suggestions and, and people go and, and watch this. Yep. It, it fully deserves however much money it makes. Um, prediction uh, is going to win some awards, Oscars, uh, Emmys, uh, uh, wh- whatever. I don't know. I don't know what other um, <laughs> award shows are out there, but it. I don't see what would beat it. Like there's some good animated stuff out there, but man – uh, is is going to win something? Oh, for sure. It, it's already the longest stop motion film ever made. Mm-hmm. So it's going to win something. Yeah, there was a moment and good in that first act where I, I paused it and then saw that there was like an hour and forty five minutes left. I was like, oh boy, we're in for a long ride here. Yeah, it's it's so good. All of it's good. <laughs> Yep. Well, there you go. Glowing endorse, uh, endorsement from TJ and Will. And um, thank you all for listening. Um, we hope that uh, you'll continue to listen. Go and hunt us down on 
on our social media, uh, our website. If there are topics or themes that you want to see lifted up, uh, share with us. Um, uh, as we close this year and enter to a new one, we have some really great episodes lined up on, on the schedule and we're going to be geeking out uh, super hard with you all. Uh, but if there's anything we missed, anything that uh, you want to see um, us do, uh, let us know. And then if you have thoughts about this particular movie, this particular, any themes or, or powerful images that, that we missed, um, uh, yeah, let us know and we'll be happy to, um, express that and, and share it with, with our community. We're super appreciative of our community. Uh, hit us up on Patreon. Uh, help us keep the lights on. Uh, help us keep this thing going. We appreciate all of you. And remember, we are a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazao Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazao Ministries podcast network.